Mr. Don Smith. Well, God bless. It's a great day. It's amazing how through the manifestations and even the songs that were sung this morning, I, I didn't tell Scott what I was teaching on. God knew <laughs> and worked it out perfectly and set it up great. So um, today is the uh, greatest day of all time, right? Because it's Super Bowl Sunday. Right? <laughs> all the men in the world will be in front of the boob tube watching the Super Bowl. They want to make it a holiday. <laughs> no, that's not true. That's not true. But we did read in the scriptures, and I have it in my notes, that's wonderful, just how God worked that out. What day is this? This is the day that the Lord has made. And we will be glad and what? Rejoice in it. See, this is the day that the Lord has made. Every day like that. You know, and I was uh, driving by, uh, what's the one company? Chick-fil-A this morning, going somewhere, and I was driving by, and I noticed their clothes, and they get a lot of applause for closing things on Sunday because, you know, Sunday's the Lord's Day. But David said, this day, whether it's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, whatever the day may be, this is the day the Lord has made. So, so based on that scripture, um, there's a key principle in that scripture that we read this morning uh, about how to live a life which is more than abundant. So you guys are going to help me with this this morning. Take a look at the person next to you and tell them, stay in the moment. Stay in the moment. That's what I'm going to teach you on today. Staying in the moment. It is a great key. It's not the only key, but it is a great key to having spiritual success. It's your ability to stay in the moment. As true believers, we need to learn to stay our minds. We need to learn to nail down our minds and stay focused if we're going to have success. We can't have our minds flipping on us. And guess what? If you don't take control of your thoughts, your mind will flip. It'll flip like pancakes on a griddle if you're not taking control of your mind and your thinking and where it wants to go. And the reason why you need to take control because you need to learn to stay in the moment. You're going to learn today by staying in the moment. That's how you're really going to manifest the power of God. If your mind is flipping and running on you, you're never going to really manifest the power of God. And it's the adversary, the devil, who works overtime to get you and I out of the moment. That's what he wants to do. He wants to get us out of the moment. His desire, the adversary's desire and will, is to get your mind to either jump forward or to jump backwards. Jump forward or jump backwards. And when he want, and here's why he wants your mind to go forward. Because if he can get you to make your mind go forward, he can generate anxiety about the unknown. And having unknown thoughts about the future will lead to anxiety. Anxiety will then lead to distrust. And distrust will get you out of the will of God. See how that works? He wants to force your mind forward, even if it's about tomorrow or next week. Well, guess what? Who can tell me what's going to happen next Tuesday at 6 o'clock p.m.? No one. The only one who could tell you that would be God. So why are you fretting over it for? 
See, the adversary wants to start putting pressure on your mind and your mind's running forward about the future. And then next thing you know, you got anxiety. Then you got distrust. And then, you know, you got probably band-aids on your fingers because you're biting them all up because you don't know what's going to go on, do you? That's why this day, we want to stay in this day, this moment, stay in the moment. Well, why does the adversary want to push your mind backwards to your past? And I give you a hint. Guess what? He's not going to pull up the great pictures of your past. He's going to pull up the worst times. He's going to pull up all your sins. And why does he want you to do that? So that you can never live in the fullness of the power of God in this given moment. See how it works? Push your mind forward to create anxiety and distrust. Make your mind go back to the past, some past weakness, some past sin that you've had, so that you're not living in the moment. You're not living in the moment. And here's two great things about your past. They're not great, but think about this. Two things about your past or what the past can do to you. Number one, if you keep focusing on your past, it's going to kill the word of God in your life. It's just going to eliminate the word of God. And here's the second thing, and you're going to see it today. If you keep focusing on the past, eventually you can give the adversary an open door to literally kill you. I want you to think about that. And you're going to see that today in a great record from the Old Testament. Someone who couldn't get past their past, so to speak, (laughs) and now their lives has become a monument to us in a negative way, and you're going to see that in the Word. So, In this great book here I have, Lifestyle of a Believer, on page 7, and those of you who have read this will, will remember this great line, a great quote, and I just want you to take a deep breath, exhale, and just listen to this. When alone, most people do not control what they will or will not think about. They daydream, float along, even fantasize. However, there is a duty of disciplined thinking. Discipline thinking in order that you may stay where? In the moment. Hmm. The power to determine what you will think about and what you will not think about is a valuable aid in resisting temptation. Who needs to resist temptation? So what you decide to think about or not think about is an aid to helping you overcome temptation. See how great that is? So you got to learn to stay in the moment. Then it says, do not allow mental, moral, or spiritual deterioration. Have knowledge of yourself, know where you are, and redirect yourself to a fuller life. So if I'm going off, i got to be able to take control of my thinking and get myself back on. That's how it works. It's just like my crazy example of driving on the highway. That's why they have those ridges. So if you're driving at night and you're dozing off, what are you going to hear? (laughs) Then you get back on. That's the purpose of the word. The word is your get back on. (laughs) So you can learn to stay in the moment. Learn to stay in the moment. Take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And I do some of these kind of foundational introduction kind of things to show all of us that you can teach a lot of word of God without ever saying chapter and verse. Because I just did it in this first 10 minutes. Just teach a lot of the word of God and principles without even mentioning scripture. But here, 
um, got to have some scripture, right? That's what we get paid for. <laughs> nah. Nah. So here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, most of you know this. Jesus Christ says, but seek ye last the kingdom. You sure that's not what it says? Oh, okay. It says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What is to be your number one spiritual priority? Seeking God. That's your number one spiritual priority. It is to seek God. The adversary, the devil, wants to get you out of the moment, get you away from seeking. Because I seek God in the moment. I can't seek God in the past. It's done. I can't seek God in the future because it's not here. We seek God in the moment. You see how that works? You want to stay in the moment. Now, here's the great thing. And if you don't write anything else down, I say today, write this down, because I'm going to give you some keys on how the adversary moves. The first thing he wants to do is infiltrate. He wants to infiltrate your thinking. Once he infiltrates your thinking, then he wants to begin to break down your thinking. Once he has your thinking broke down, the next thing he moves to do is to isolate you. And then once he can get you isolated, the last thing he wants to do to a believer is eliminate you. Steal, kill, destroy. He wants to infiltrate, break down your thinking, isolate you, and then he moves to eliminate you. However, if you and I learn to stay in the moment, then the enemy can't infiltrate. The reason why he infiltrates is because he's pushing your mind forward. Then he sneaks in the back door. The reason why he infiltrates is because he's got you worrying about your past, something you've done 20 years ago. Like you can go back and do something about that. And then he just, he comes in through those means and then he starts robbing you, taking your peace, taking your joy, taking your ability to get manifestations, to hear from the Father. Because your mind is running forward or running back and you're missing the moment. Wow, that's great. That's great. Now we're going to look at the example. Lot's wife. You guys remember reading that record in Genesis? Well, let's, let's go there. Genesis chapter 19. She did not stay in the moment. And it cost her something very precious. Her life. So Genesis 19. So you guys understand and remember the record. Sodom and Gomorrah. They were doing some rather despicable things in Sodom and Gomorrah. And God basically, God's grace couldn't cover it anymore. That's one thing you got to understand about grace. Grace does not cover everything. God cannot continue to cover iniquity when people just keep doing wrong and keep doing wrong. Eventually, that's where we get that saying where God takes his hand off the situation. And then people end up crashing and burning. Well, they were doing a lot of iniquity <laughs> in Sodom and Gomorrah. So God sent in angels to get Lot and his family out of Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's where we're going to pick up the record here in Genesis 19. And we'll start here in verse 15. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the what? Iniquity of the city. But notice what the angel says. It says, then when the morning rose, the angels hastened Lot. They hastened him. 
Like, let's get moving, guy. Let's not be taking our time on this situation. We got to get going. Now, look what Lot does in verse 16. And while he, what? Lingered. See, he's already in trouble. Because God said through the angels, hasten, let's move. And then the God shows us what is Lot doing. He's lingering. I don't know. I don't know if I really want to leave this place. I don't know. I know God's about to bring down brimstone on this place, but I don't know. But he lingered. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the what? City. See, if he, would, he was going to continue to linger. That's why the angels had to grab him and his family and move them literally. It's probably like a, a, a transport kind of thing where they were here one minute, boom, outside the city the next. Because he was lingering. See how God had to move in this situation? Wow. Verse 17, and it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, least or less thou be what? Consumed. Then we won't read these verses, but in verses 18 through 23, if you read them, you'll see Lot begins to negotiate, literally, where to go after leaving Sodom and Gomorrah. God tells him to escape to the plains, and he's like, oh, I don't want to go there. These things might happen. And God said, okay, well, where do you want to go? And they give him the city, and then they start to head that direction. Okay? Now let's pick up the record here in verse 24. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a what? Pillar of salt. Hmm. She looked back and she became a pillar of salt. What does salt represent in the word? It represents commitment. The reason why she's used here as a pillar of salt is because by looking back to her past, she lost her commitment to the father in the present moment. And that ended up costing her, her, her life. You guys see that? Pillar of salt. Jesus tells us, Jesus Christ tells us that if the salt loses its flavor, then it's good for what? Nothing. So looking back, besides getting a stiff neck, <laughs> looking back to your past can cause you to lose your salt, can cause you to lose your commitment in the present moment. And we're not supposed to do that. Lot's wife lost her commitment to God. You must stay in the moment. You must see the job done to completion. You must learn to control your thinking. Now, I've heard some guys share this record about her leaving or her turning back. And they was like, well, she was just stupid. Hmm. Well, that's, that's, that's part of it. <laughs> that's, not, that's not all of it. But think to, in your mind, why did she look back? What were the reasons causing her to look back? Well, I want to show you why she looked back. Look at 2 Peter. She had a reason to, from a sense knowledge standpoint. You ever notice when we disobey God, we always have a sense knowledge excuse? We always have a good reason for why we didn't do what the word said. It was God's fault. God and I was hanging with him. It was his fault. We always got a good excuse, but it doesn't, it doesn't hold weight with God. It just doesn't. 
So now we're going to do this process most of us have learned called scriptural buildup. Because records through the word are sometimes throughout the whole word. They're not just in one segment. And sometimes you got to read the entire word of God to get the entire gist of the story or the record. So here in 2 Timothy, chapter 2. Is it 2 Timothy? I'm sorry, 2 Peter. I went to 2 Timothy. I'm sorry. 2 Peter. At least I know you guys are with me. <laughs> you passed the test. Second Peter, chapter two. Uh, we'll start here in verse six. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live how ungodly. And delivered just Lot, a righteous Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of who? The wicked. the wicked. That word vexed there means to be broken down. Remember what I taught earlier? Infiltrate, break down, isolate, eliminate. He got broken down with the filthy conversation. And the word conversation here is better in terms of it should be translated behavior. The filthy behavior of the wicked or the lawless. Okay, so now stop and think. Lot's a husband, right? So that means Lot's the head of his family. So if Lot got broken down, what do you think happened with the wife and the children? They started to get broken down as well. They got broken down. The entire family was being broken down by the filthy behavior of the wicked. Now watch this in verse 8. For that righteous man dwelling among them, pay attention to those words, dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul. How often? From day to day with their unlawful deeds. Dwelling among them. Now, if you just go down, I don't know, to Denver and you get a hotel room for a night and then you come back up here. Did you dwell in Denver? You didn't dwell there, did you? Dwelling means you took up residency. You became a part of that city, of that town. You got involved in the cultural aspects of that city. That's what happened to them. Though they kept themselves separated from the homosexuality that was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah, the, un the other unlawful acts that were going on in that city and culture, they got themselves tied into that. That's why Lot's wife looked back, because she had some allegiance to that city. You see how that works? And that's what happens here. For that righteous man dwelling among them, and notice what it says, in seeing and hearing, he saw their deeds and he heard them. But here's even more interesting. The word seeing, I looked it up. It means to, um, to observe with desire. They were seeing and hearing the unlawful acts in Sodom and Gomorrah, but seeing to the point that they were desiring the same things. Adversary infiltrate, break down, <laughs> isolate, and then was trying to eliminate them. So if he's the head and he's the husband, the wife was what? Following. So she got broke down as well. And even if we go back to the record in Genesis, it says, if you read real carefully, it says she looked back, but she was following behind her husband. 
Not that he looked back. Just in the Eastern custom, when a man would walk, the wife was to follow behind. She wasn't to be walking side by side with her husband. In the Eastern culture, that was considered disrespectful. So she was following him, and, and, and he got broken down, and guess what happened? They got broken down together. Lot and his family became a part of the culture in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so I want to ask you this morning, don't answer, just think in your own brain, what are you seeing and hearing that's getting you off the word? What are you seeing and hearing in the American culture that's getting you out of the particular moment that you need to stay in? See how that works? What are you seeing on TV? What are you hearing at work in terms of conversations? What are you seeing in the culture as young people and the music and all this kind of stuff that may be getting you off the word of God? You see what happened when they got off the word? What happened? Lot's wife lost her life. The only ones who escaped was Lot and his daughters. She lost her life. She looked back because she had this affinity for the culture. Look at 2 Timothy. I want to show you. Now I'm, we really are going to 2 Timothy this time. <laughs> I want to show you why this is important that you can't get yourself involved in the culture. You got to live sanctified. Ever heard that term? Though you're in the world, you can't be of the world. You got to live sanctified, set apart from the culture of the world. Look what, look what Paul writes to Timothy about being a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Look at verse 4. It says, No man that warreth or no man that serveth entangled himself with the affairs of what? This life. You don't get yourself interwoven, interbraided into the affairs of this life. Why? It tells us why. That. Here's the purpose why you don't do it as a man of God. That he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier or a server. Your main purpose is to please who? God. So if I'm out to please God, then I can't allow myself to get wrapped up in the culture of our day and time. The music, the politics, the movies, and the list just goes on and on. Yeah, you can enjoy things. Don't, don't, don't think like I'm sitting here being religious. <clears throat> Because I like good movies too, just like anybody else. I'm not saying, oh, Don told us we can't watch movies anymore. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but you just don't get so wrapped up to it to where it's taking you out of the moment. I heard a man of God uh, teach a couple weeks ago, and I thought this was wonderful. He said, you know the movie about bucket lists? Mm -hmm. He said, Jesus Christ's bucket list consists of two things. Pleasing his heavenly father and helping, human, helping humanity. That was his entire bucket list. What's your bucket list? Well, I want to go down and see the redwoods, and I want to go do this, and I want to go do that. And those are all great things, but why, why are you called by God? Did you just get born again? I love that line from Dr. Wuerl. It says that most men want Jesus Christ as a fire escape from hell, but not a Lord for living. They want to get born again so they can say, Woo! Don't have to go to hell, but then want to live your life however you want to live it. That's not right. You're called for a reason and a purpose. So you don't want to get entangled. And you see, this book is pretty thick, this Bible, isn't it? So this book is loaded with examples of men and women who either stayed in the moment and got the rewards, 
or who didn't stay in the moment and ended up with what? Consequences. Let me just give you a few of them. What about Moses? Leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. And then they get down in this, this valley, this cavern. And to the left, there's these mountains. To the right, there are these mountains. And then in front of them is the Red Sea. And then behind them, here comes, as Larry was doing earlier, here comes, <laughs> here comes Pharaoh and the group on their chariots to do what? Kill them. So if Moses hadn't controlled his mind, if he would have allowed his mind to be pushed forward, there would have been tons of anxiety. If he would have allowed his mind to look back, he would have missed the revelation from God. And the revelation from God was like, hey, Moses, what's that in your hand? It's a rod. Okay. Stretch it forth over the Red Sea. And the Red Sea parted. And you guys know the rest of the record, right? But that only happened because Moses stayed where? In the moment. He didn't allow his mind to be pushed forward or back. What about David? David comes back from the battle of Ziglag. And they're coming over this ridge, I think. And they're probably seeing the smoke in the sky. Where their homes were. Where they left their wives and their children. And then they get there... The place is completely burnt to the ground. There's no wives present, and the children are all gone. They had just got back from a battle. They were returning home, and there's nothing left. And the word says that those men, those soldiers, cried till there was no more strength left in them. But then all of a sudden, one of them or a couple of them got this uh, idea like, this is David's fault. <laughs> and they began to turn on David. David had the choice to either allow his mind to be pushed forward into anxiety or be condemn himself over the past of taking those men to the, to the fight and they lost their wives and their children. But David stayed peaceful. And the rest of the record is God told David to pursue after and they got all their wives and all their children back and they slaughtered the enemy. But he had to stay in the moment once again to have peace to get that revelation from God in order to know what to do. What about uh, Joseph? What about that record? Him being left in prison. He had to stay his mind day after day, moment after moment for years because he got left in prison. He told one guy to tell, I think it was Pharaoh, whoever it was he was supposed to tell, that guy forgot. And then the other guy he told to tell, don't forget about me, he dies. Imagine that situation. But he continues to stay his mind. And you should go read that record again about Joseph. It's amazing. He stays his mind. God delivers him. And through the life of Joseph, God delivers the entire nation of Egypt. Because one guy in a very tough situation did what? Stayed in the moment. And then we got another guy here. What about old Peter? This is the consequence side. Remember Peter saw Jesus Christ walking on the water? Oh, I can do that. I want to walk on the water too. So he gets out and he starts taking steps on the water. Boy, look at me. But then his mind got distracted by what? The wind and the waves. He got out of the moment and what happened? Bloop, bloop, bloop. Jesus had to grab him. <laughs> and pull him back up and get him back in the boat. If he had stayed in the moment, he would have continued to walk on the water just like Jesus Christ did. You guys see how that works? And Jesus stayed in the moment and taught us to do the same. Let's look at one last verse, Luke chapter 9.
And if you think about it from a practical standpoint, nothing probably ticks you off more than having a conversation with a person and they're not paying attention to you. They're not staying in the moment. Nothing ticks you <laughs> off more, does it? You know, every now and then I do that. I'm guilty of that. And then my wife like, what did I say? I was like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm sorry. I really wasn't paying attention. It happens to all of us, right? But you got to learn to stay in the moment. It's humorous, but you guys know what I'm talking about. But look at this, Luke chapter 9. This is our last verse. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the what? Kingdom of God. No man, having making a commitment, putting his hand to the plow. He's using the example of a guy plowing a field. And in order to plow a field and plow appropriate rows, you got to keep your, you got to stay in the moment, don't you? Otherwise, the horse or mule or whatever's pulling may go this way and you got a different burrow going. That's not what God wanted. So Jesus Christ used this example and he says, if you look back, then you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Now I don't know about you guys, that word fit just didn't sit right with me. Didn't make a lot of sense. What do you mean I'm not fit? So I did some more work around the word fit. And literally what this means is, and I'll read it according to his, his, his appropriate biblical usage. No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is in accordance with the kingdom of God. That's how that should be translated. When I look back, I am not in accordance with the kingdom of God. When I look back, I'm not in fellowship. If I look too far forward, guess what? I'm not in fellowship. So Jesus Christ was telling these men right here, stay in the moment. That's what the kingdom of God is really about. Stay in the moment. Control your mind. Control your thinking. You have to stay in the moment. You can't effectively minister to people if you don't stay in the moment. I'm not going to ask you to pray for me if I'm sick, if I know your mind is flipping all over the place. Dude, I'm sick. I need you to help heal me. Stay in the moment. Stay right here with me and let's get this thing done. How can you teach if you're not staying in the moment? You even hear sometimes, and this is not condemnation of any of us because I've done it as well. I'm first person to put my name out there. Even in manifestations, sometimes we, we mess up the words. You know why? Your mind flipped. You didn't stay in the moment. Someone called on you to speak in tongues and interpret, and you got all nervous, like shockwave went through you. And then you try to get it out, and you, you mess up sometimes because you're not keeping your mind in the moment. See how that works? we got to stay in the moment in order to be in accordance with God's will. We have to stay in the moment. We have to stay in the now of the word. This word is a living reality now, so we stay in it. Don't look back or get caught in the trap of looking too far forward. And three things I want to close with. Why do we stay in the moment? Number one, because it's the word and will of God. Number two, by staying in the moment, it allows us to live and manifest the power of God. By staying in the moment, it keeps us from the anxiety over the unknown future and the condemnation of the past. So let's all of us stay in the moment. Let us control our thinking to track with God's word and you will have a living victorious life in all phases and all categories. So let's stay in the moment. Bless you.